Australian Open. We'll be chatting to Cy Lerman about uh, week number one, and we'll hear from Banyana Banyana uh, head coach Desiree Ellis on tonight's show. But let's start with some football news as Bidvest Vits heading to their crucial Amsterdam Premiership count against Bloom Celtic tonight at Bidvest Stadium. They'll be buoyed by four points from their last two matches, according to Gavin Hunt. After beating Supersport United last week, they came very close to recording two wins on the trot against Chipper United, but unfortunately conceded a late equaliser in Port Elizabeth on Sunday. Vits have been rooted to the bottom of the log for some time now, exchanging that spot with Platinum Stars, but Hunt is relieved that the team seems to be picking up momentum. We wanted, obviously yesterday was disappointing to concede a goal like that at the end with a big deflection again. Um, so disappointing, but it's still going in the right direction. And the team has, you know, been good. What would you attribute this to? Is, is it, is the, the team hasn't changed. No, the team hasn't. We haven't played any different to any one game we lost. We played actually. We haven't played any different. We just we got to score. You know, we haven't been scoring, and that's been the problem. That's Even right. yesterday, we should have, you know, killed the game off. We didn't kill it off, and then they get a big deflected goal. I mean, huge deflection again. It's the third one against us this year. The guys take a shot, it's hitting the corner flag and it goes in the other corner. So it's disappointing. What are, what are you learning from this? You're learning. You never stop learning in football. When you're winning, you never stop learning. When you're losing, you never stop learning. I mean, I know what, I know what the problem is. But obviously that won't be, you know, I won't, I'll never say that in public. What do you mean? Well, I know what the problem is. Or what the problems have been. But you don't, you know. We're solving, we, we're sorting them out. Are, are they sorted now, those problems are talking about? Well, yes and no. Not really, you know, because football, football is football. So, yeah, it's a long way to go. Celtic are coming into the game off uh, the back of a 4-1 drubbing at the hands of Marisburg United last Friday. The same team that lost to Supersports United on Wednesday. A team that hadn't won uh, in the local league since November last year. This explains why Hunt's not reading too much into Celtic's reason, recent loss. Yeah, another interesting game. Every game is interesting. Starting a clean slate, clean piece of paper and start again. And also they're coming from a heavy loss. Um, just as well. Doesn't make any difference in the PSL. Doesn't make no difference. Team can come and win five games in a row, they're still beatable. Team can lose five games in a row, they can still win games. So it doesn't make any difference. In the PSL, it doesn't make any difference. Mm-hmm. No difference. Because the games are so tight. Mm-hmm. Is that another factor that gives uh, us a bit of comfort that uh, other teams are also not doing well? You pick up two, three wins in a row. It's easier said than done, picking up wins. I mean, top of the team in the league, they've lost three other last four games. Who would ever think that? You know, so anything can happen. Anything can happen. Anybody beats anybody in this league. So the league is very competitive and very tight, so anybody can win. It doesn't matter if a team's lost the week before, won the week before, it makes no difference. That match kicks off at 8 p.m. this evening. Tomorrow, Free State Stars host Marisburg United at the Cape Town Stadiums where Ajax and City will lock horns in the Cape Town Derby. Sundowns face Platinum Stars Pirates host Polokwane City and Supersport travel to Amazulu. On Sunday, Barock SC come up against Kaiser Chiefs and Chipper United welcome Golden Arrows. In other football news, Brazilian great Pele has collapsed with exhaustion and has been forced to cancel a long-planned trip to London this weekend. Pele, who is the only player to win three World Cups, has been dealing with various health issues and appeared in a wheelchair at his last big international appearance in Moscow in December for the draw of the 2018 World Cup. 
In cricket news, England have uh, taken a 2-0 lead in their five-match ODI series against Australia. That after the tourists downed the Aussies by four wickets in Brisbane earlier today. New Zealand defeated Pakistan by 15 runs in the fifth one-day international in Wellington to complete a rare series whitewash over the tourists, while Bangladesh hammered Sri Lanka by 163 runs in their triangular series clash in Murdoch. In some momentum one-day cup action taking place at Boerland Park in Pal, the Lions are 66 for two. They're chasing 274 for victory. They need another 208 runs of 34.2 overs. At Kingsmead in Durban, the Warriors are 62 for two. Uh, they are chasing 208 for victory after they dismissed the Dolphins for 207 in 48 overs. They need another 146 runs of 32 overs. While the Knights at the Diamond Oval in Kimberley on 97 for the loss of one after 17 overs, they are chasing 310 for victory. They need 213 more runs with nine wickets in hand and 32.5 overs remaining. On to tennis now. It was another blistering day in Melbourne at the Australian Open. Chris Bowers was there and filed this report. Play came close yes, to because of extreme heat today, but while the mercury topped 40 Celsius, the humidity was sufficiently low that the schedule was uninterrupted and the later matches were played in pleasant conditions. That gave us a wonderful evening contest between Nick Kyrgios and Joe Wilfried Songa, which went 3 hours 17 minutes and saw the often controversial Australian run out a four sets winner over the runner-up from 10 years ago. Not so lucky were those who started early, in particular the South African-born Briton Kyle Edmund and Nikolos Bajlashvili. They laboured for three hours, 34 minutes in the peak of the heat, Edmund coming through to reach the fourth round and build on his first round win over Kevin Anderson. But Rafael Nadal remains favourite to reach the final from the top half of the draw after his emphatic win over Damir Jumour. In the women, the French Open champion Yelena Ostapenko was beaten in a late-night match by Annette Kontovite, while the dream run of the 15-year-old Marta Kostyuk came to an end when she lost an all-Ukrainian battle to the fourth-seat Alina Svitolina, who's looking a good outside shot for the women's title. Chris Bowers for SAFM Sport, Melbourne. On to some cycling now. South Africa's Daryl Impey was pipped to the post by Peter Sagan on the fourth stage of the Tour Down Under. The stage wouldn't see Sagan take over the overall late race lead with uh, Daryl Impey just two seconds behind. Dimension data for Quebec's Nicolas Glamini will wear the King of the Mountains jersey for the fifth consecutive day tomorrow as he held on to his lead on stage four. And finally, in golf news, Thomas Petrus of Belgium is on 12 under par and leads Spain's Jorge Campillo after the second round of the Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship. Brandon Grace and Dylan Fratelli are the leading South Africans. They're tied for 10th, four strokes off the lead on eight under par heading into the weekend. Coming up next here on SAFM Sports Trap, we'll pay tributes to the late Dick Abed. SAFM Sports Wrap. You're listening to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. And as you heard on SAFM Sports Wrap today, some sad news uh, in South African cricketing circles with uh, the passing of Suleiman Dick Abed in the Netherlands at the age of 73 earlier today. Uh, he was uh, very influential in uh, the South African cricket scene pre-unification. And we're joined now by a man who we normally chat football with, but he is a huge cricket fan himself, Mohamed Ali. Mo, welcome on to SFM Sports Wrap this evening. This is indeed a, a sad day for, for South African crickets uh, because obviously in, in the history of the sport here, uh, Dick Abed played a, a big role. He did, and uh, he was an absolute legend, I tell you, Brad, and I don't use that word very lightly. Um, I, I was fortunate enough 
to, to meet him and uh, spend some time with him. Uh, he actually rose to fame in the uh, 1960s. He's, he's part of a family, uh, a sporting family. His brother Lobo uh, played in Basel de Oliveira's side in the uh, 1958 tour to Kenya along with his brother Tiny, who was an all-rounder. He was the vice-captain. His brother Gulam played rugby league for Leeds in England and, and for Rochdale in the Lancashire League. Deck went over to play uh, for... Um, Infield in the in the Lancashire League in 1967, and he stayed there for 10 years because he felt there was nothing to come back to in South Africa. It was unheard of for somebody, a professional, to stay there for that long. They normally stay for a year or two, and then they move on. But he stayed there for 10 years, and what a phenomenal record he has. And remember, at that time, you had the top West Indians like uh, Clive Lloyd, uh, Clyde Walcott, and all those kinds of people having played in the Lancashire League, so it wasn't a league to be sneezed at. And in his 10 years, he took 880 five wickets at an average of 10.27 and he scored 5,270 uh, 5, runs at an average of uh, 27.17 and uh, you know he played in the league at the same time the likes of Clive Rice, Pat Trimble and Peter Swart Dave Orchard played in the league as well and, and he outperformed them to the extent that uh, you know when the league celebrated its centenary in 1998 he, each of the, the 14 league clubs had to nominate their all time greats and believe it or not Dickabit was nominated as the uh, legend, uh, the all-time great of infield ahead of, listen to this, Sir Clyde Walcott, Conrad Hunt, and Madan Lau. And uh, unfortunately, because of the Basil de Oliveira affair, the political repercussions, he, he couldn't make it into the county circuit because uh, apparently an order came from the top that, uh, you know, they, they, they don't want another de Oliveira affair. He had trials with uh, Surrey, for example. He scored 132, not out 27, not out. They said, no, we're looking for a bowler. He took five for 32 for Warwickshire. They said, no, we're looking for a batsman. And, uh, you know, unfortunately for him, the doors were closed. And then in 1971, when the uh, aborted tour of Australia was due to take place, uh, the uh, South African cricket establishment actually wanted him and Owen Williams, the left-arm spinner, to be part of that tour just to appease the anti-apartheid uh, demonstrators. But they, they simply refused. And uh, he, eventually he took up Dutch citizenship in, in the mid-70s mid and he became captain of the Dutch national side that played at the ICC Trophy in uh, 1981. And uh, really a sad loss to South African cricket. Uh, you know, we see the likes now of uh, Lungi Ngiri, Kachiso Rabada, Hashim Amla, Ashwal Prince, all those kinds of players, fortunately now getting the opportunity. But I tell you, there was a series of players in that 1960s, as epitomized by what Basil de Oliveira did uh, when he played for England, that seriously missed out and the world really missed out on seeing these guys. Yeah, absolutely, Mo. And uh, a lot of these players didn't get the recognition they deserved during their, their playing careers. And that's why it's, I think it's important to talk about it today. And uh, I mean, you mentioned the opportunity that he and, and Owen Williams uh, had to, to represent South Africa and they turned it down. I mean, that, that's something uh, all young cricketers dream of doing. And, and because of the political situation at the time, uh, they, they decided that, you know what, it's not about me. It's about the, the greater good of, of the game and South Africa. And that's why they took that stand. Exactly. And, uh, you know, let me tell you a little anecdote, uh, Brad. Uh, we all know how great and, and, and the status of Dennis Lilly in the world game, one of the greatest fast bowlers ever. And, uh, you know, Dekabed's brother, Gulam, who played the rugby league, he also played in the Lancashire League, likes to tell me the story where, you know, Dennis Lilly, a young Dennis Lilly, was in such awe 
of the cabinet that he asked Kulama Bed to ask uh, your, big, your brother to show me how to bowl the leg cutter, which he truly did, and we all know what a great bowler Dennis Lilly uh, went on to become. And in fact, Dennis Lilly actually invited him to play in Perth, uh, in, in club cricket in Perth, so they became so close. He was a close friend as well of, of Clive Lloyd, who was making his way in, 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 uh, in the Lancashire League at that time. So the, the status of, of the, these guys, you know, certainly uh, goes beyond uh, the borders of South Africa. He was an absolute, he helped Enfield to win the league title for the first time in 25 years in only his second season with the club. And uh, as you mentioned, you know, the sacrifices that these guys made to ensure that we have the dispensation that we have now, that we have the likes of uh, Lungi Ngidi, Kachisa Rabada, and, and all the other youngsters now who have the opportunity to represent the country. I, I don't think we should forget the sacrifices that these guys made. And, and you know, they could easily have just said, OK, it's a lovely trip to Australia, let's go. Owen Williams, for example, you know, he emigrated to Australia. And, uh, you know, in his first game in club cricket in Australia, he bowled, he took a hat-trick against the, 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 the Chapel Brothers Club and were just come back from a successful tour of the West Indies. Yeah, I mean, there were some, some great players uh, during those times as well that just never, never, ever got the, the opportunity to play. Mo, if things were different in, in South Africa's history and, and we were playing Test cricket, if, if we didn't have the history that we did, these guys would have, would have been legends of, of the international game as well. I mean, you, you talk about those club stats, but I mean, they, they would have scored runs on the international stage and, and taken just as many wickets, I'm sure. Exactly. And I mean, you know, you, you can't get a better comparison than, uh, you know, having guys having played against the same opposition in, in the same season. And that's exactly what he did when, uh, you know, he played uh, in, in the same league at the same time as Clive Rice, Petrimon. And we all know what a great all-rounder Clive Rice was. I mean, there's no doubt about it, one of the best in the world. And he outperformed Clive Rice at, in that Lancashire League in the, in the, in the very same season. And, uh, you know, obviously it's difficult to compare you, uh, it's difficult to say what, what might have been. But these guys certainly had the talent and particularly in, in the Western Province, you know, where the, uh, I hate to use these terms, but the white Western Province cricket team was probably at its weakest, and, and the South African Cricket Board uh, Western Province team was probably at its strongest, and that's the irony that these guys could actually have strengthened the uh, Western Province side had they been allowed to play, and unfortunately they weren't allowed to play. Sometimes they used to sneak games against each other, but, uh, you know, it just shows uh, the, 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 the talent pool that was so limited during uh, the apartheid years, there, whereas now we have a, a full representation. Everybody is eligible to play for South Africa, whereas, uh, you know, until 1992, only a certain section of, of South Africans were allowed to represent the country. Yeah, Mo, and again, that's why I just think it's so important to have these conversations. That uh, I mean, it's, if you think about it today, it's ludicrous. Like, why why would that happen? It was part of our history, unfortunately, and and that's why it's so great that that players are getting opportunities today. And you've mentioned the likes of the youngsters coming through, and uh, and and uh, the likes of uh, Dick Abed laid laid the groundwork for. For, for what the likes and the future of South African cricket, the uh, Lungingiris, the Kahisa Rabadas, uh, the Temba Vumas, all of those sort of players coming through uh, and, and are able to apply their trade not just here in South Africa but uh, on a global stage. And uh, I think we owe them a, a huge debt. I know Cricket South Africa paid tribute uh, today as well. And, and uh, on behalf of all of us here at SAFM, uh, we want to pass our condolences on to, to the family and, and everyone who, who knew him as well and, and got to, to, to spend time with him throughout his life and, and got to play the game that we all love so much. 
Yeah, absolutely. And you know what, uh, Brad? I, I was fortunate enough to spend time with him uh, in, in 1999 at the Cricket World Cup. And unfortunately, I watched Manchester United win the uh, Champions League uh, in his home <laughs> against Bayern Munich. I'll never forget that. But he also, you know, was, was, was very close to the likes of the late Hilton Ackerman, Gary Kirsten, who spent time playing in Holland because he became a Dutch citizen, lived in The Hague. And, uh, you know, he helped, uh, irrespective of, uh, you know, which side of the color bar South Africans came from, he helped them uh, acclimatize because Dutch cricket was actually quite popular with South Africans, you know, in, in the 1970s and early 80s. And he actually signed quite a few South Africans to come and play there. And as I mentioned, he, he captained the Dutch national side in 1981, he also managed the Dutch national side. And he was a hugely respected figure in Dutch cricket. So, yeah, my, my condolences to the family as well. And, and it was an absolute privilege and pleasure to, to have got to know him and spend time with him. Well, Mo, it's always great catching up. It's a pity about the circumstances, but I think it was a, a pretty important conversation to have. Thanks for your time this evening here on SAFM Sport Trap. Uh, and enjoy the football this weekend. Big Cape Town derby and then banyana banyana. So it uh, should be a great footballing weekend in the Mother City this weekend. Yeah, and uh, I think IX Cape Town will be chomping at the bit to try and score their first goal against uh, Cape Town City, let alone score their first victory in three games they haven't scored against Cape Town City. So I'm still sure Mohsin Etegrel will at least want to get a goal, if not uh, score their first ever victory against Cape Town City. Absolutely. Mohamed Ali, as always, great to catch up. Thanks for your time tonight, mate. Thanks, Brad. 15 February is International Childhood Cancer Day, and the Chalk Childhood Cancer Foundation is asking schools, corporates, and individuals to wear blue in support of children with cancer. Blue pants, shirts, suits, blue dresses, blue hearts, anything blue along with a trendy Have a Heart for Children with Cancer badge or heart pin. It will all help in the effort to spread the message. One can also get a loved one a delicious chocolate. Buy yours today. Visit www.chalk.org.za or nearest Chalk Regional Office. This is an SABC Foundation-supported initiative. You're dreaming of enjoying the good life with your family, driving fancy cars, owning a luxurious house, being CEO. Make your dreams a reality and your success a priority with a life-changing Regent Business School MBA degree. 2018 registrations are now open. For more on the Regent MBA and undergraduate qualifications, including the BCom degree, visit regent.ac.za. Regent Business School, a member institution of Honorees United Universities. SAFM Sports Wrap. You're listening to SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader as we head to the, uh, towards the end of the first week of the first Grand Slam of 2018, the Australian Open. It's been a pretty interesting week, to say the least. Disappointing from a South African perspective, with Kevin Anderson and Raven Klaassen uh, both losing in their first round matches. We join now uh, by Cy Lerman from Mail and Guardian. Cy, welcome on to SAFM Sports Trap this evening. Thanks for joining us. Uh, pleasure being with you. Sai, so, very disappointing uh, from a South African perspective, particularly I think Kevin Anderson, uh, after his US Open performance last year, I think uh, a lot was expected. Uh, yes. Um, although um, his form is quite unpredictable. He's, uh, he's uh, capable of matching the top players at times, at other times he, he loses to to players who he should beat. Absolutely. Raven Klaassen's changed doubles partners. Uh, he had a, a very successful partnership with uh, Rajiv Ram. He's got a, a new partner now. And uh, obviously, chemistry not quite there yet. Also losing in the, in the first round of the, of the tournament. He, w- he would also be very disappointed, I'm sure, that he didn't go further. Yes, I'm sure that uh, uh, Raven's done very well in Grand Slams. And... Uh, um, as far as South Africans are concerned, 
it's, uh, it's ironic that both uh, Kevin and uh, Raven have made uh, significant changes to their uh, their team. Sai, are you there? We seem to have lost you just for a second. I'm here. There we go. Sorry, uh, we lost you there for a second. You were just saying that both uh, Raven and Kevin have made significant changes to their uh, to their teams. Yes, with uh, Kevin having a, a new coach and Raven a new partner, as you mentioned. Um, and uh, both were surprise uh, decisions, unexpected. Uh, and uh, it's a bit ironic that with these changes, uh, obviously made for the better, they, they seem to have backfired at this stage anyway. So looking at the, the tournament as a whole, and, and we'll touch just briefly on the men's and, and ladies' draw and, and who's left, but uh, there's been some major upsets, uh, some big seeds going home very early in this one. Uh, on, the, on the men's side of things, by what you've seen so far this year, who, who do you think's looking favourite to take this one? Uh, well, I think it's a totally unpredictable tournament, both as far as the men and women are concerned. I know a lot of people still have a lot of faith in, in Roger Federer standing out, but uh, as I see it, you've got these three greats of the game, Federer, Nadal, and Djokovic uh, uh, yeah, as well, if he comes back to full fitness. And then you've got three very talented younger players challenging them, Kyrgios and... Uh, Zverev and uh, Dimitrov. So you've got this intriguing uh, battle between the greats and the would-be greats. And uh, you've, you've uh, got these three younger players and do they have the, the temperament to match the three very great players I wouldn't say of the past because they are very much in the present. So looking at just conditions, it's early on in the season. A lot of the players uh, have played maybe one, maybe two warm-up uh, tournaments in the build-up to this uh, competition. A lot of them coming out of uh, the north, so northern hemisphere, in, into Australia where the last few days the temperatures have been uh, phenomenal. I mean, play almost getting called off today because it was so hot. The, the sort of long-term effect of that into the latter half of, of next week as we head towards the semis and the finals, do you think that's going to come into play a lot more? Um, not really. I think um, the, the level of fitness of, of, ten, of top-level tennis players is, is quite incredible. You only have to see the way they move on the court. Uh, I think they, they match uh, sportsmen of any category, uh, and uh, although it's, it's very testing and um, I mean, everyone suffers from it, um, I think there's great level of fitness of the players, including the, the older ones like Pedro and Nadal, Absolutely. who have both uh, taken this heat wave as well as anyone. Yeah, Sire, I won't. I'm not going to be offended by you calling Nadal, who's uh, Nadal and Federer in their thirties, the old ones. But uh, yeah, we, we know we know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah. <laughs> well, as I said, uh, they might be uh, relatively old in age for top-line tennis, but certainly their ability has not waned. They're still playing uh, the game at a tremendous level, and uh, there's um, the, the, the one player who has wavered a little is Djokovic. Um, after a long break, he's back, and uh, uh, he's won this title six times. So it's going to be interesting to see if he's actually able to match the, the two players who uh, came to life even before him. Absolutely. Well, Cy Lerman, thank you so much for joining us this evening here on SAFM Sports Chat. Much appreciated, and enjoy the rest of the tournament. I will do that. Pleasure talking to you. SAFM Sports Chat. Well, as I mentioned to Muhammad Ali, it's a big weekend uh, as far as football goes for Cape Town. The Cape Town Derby taking place at the Cape Town Stadium tomorrow. Ajax Cape Town up against Cape Town City. But then on Sunday, Banyana Banyana play their first ever match in the Mother City when they host Sweden. Banyana coach Desiree Ellis knows the, uh, they face a big challenge at the Cape Town Stadium against a top-ranked side like Sweden, but says they're up for it as uh, they gear up for a massive 2018 where they'll attempt to qualify for the World Cup. Look, we, we don't want to sound arrogant in any way, but uh, we have to. It's not negotiable. We have to qualify for the World Cup. After going to back, to back Olympics, I think this is the most important thing now. And starting out with Sweden, what fantastic preparation. You know, last year we played France, the number three ranked team in the world. This year we'll be playing Sweden, who's number 10. And having played them before, I think we both know a little bit of each other. But I still anticipate a very tough match. Um, they're not ranked number 10 in the world for nothing, but it also it's a good challenge for our players. Even though we haven't, we haven't played for a couple of months, but it's a good challenge to see if they can raise the level back a little bit higher because the level that we're playing at um, against Sweden would be much, much higher than many of them have ever been. And uh, interesting to see what we still then need to work on. For us, the most important thing is first the performance and the result will take care of itself because we pride ourselves on teamwork. And uh, if the team does well, there are always individuals that will stand out. Recently named the best team in Africa for 2017, Banyana have come close to qualifying for the World Cup before and narrowly missed out in 2014 under Vera Powell. Ellis admits that was a sad time for the team and the cloud of failure lingered over them for a long time thereafter. I think in, in, in 2014, and, and I was part of that as well as an assistant coach to Vera, and there are a couple of players here, Janine, um, Andile, um, you know, Rafiwe Jani. It was a very sad time. Um, you know, we, we played the Ivory Coast, and I think after 20 minutes we could have been 5-0 up. And that's normally what happens in the game. We tell ourselves that it's not going to happen. So we regularly work on finishing. That's all we can do. Um, I think that is the area that still needs a lot of work, not just with Banyana, but, you know, most teams. And if we can sort that out, um, I think we were one step closer to, to reaching our goal. And we will continue to work on that because it's not a fantastic feeling. Um, it's a feeling that um, at that moment, you're actually not sure how you feel, but even months after that, you think back and, and, and having to do a report, you actually have to watch that game and relive those moments again. And I think a lot of players uh, definitely do not want to go through that again. So it's all guns blazing, getting as ready as possible for that. And this Sweden game is only a small step as part of that preparation and, and for us, whatever the result, our performance um, will say where we're going to over the next couple of months. 
One player who's definitely come to the fore over the past year is Tembi Khatlane, who narrowly missed out on winning the 2017 Best African Player Award. Khatlane says she's ready and up for the challenge to face Sweden and wants Banyana to shine again in 2018. It is good. It's a, it's a good challenge. Uh, it's the third time we're playing Sweden. Uh, we've played them in the previous two Olympics that we've qualified for. They won against us in London 3-1 and they won 1-0 uh, in Rio. So now coming back, it's not like would want revenge. We just know how Sweden plays, um, what they they want and what they want to achieve. Um, as as a team, also we've got goals, uh, we've got a mission and vision. And playing a better team like Sweden, also, you know, it gives us more confidence to say we're going to be playing Sweden, a high-ranked team, also. Um, we're going into Cyprus uh, with also the level, the standard of playing there is also more or less like, like Sweden, how Sweden plays because um, everyone thinks that we have a different way of playing compared to, to other teams which is our strength as, as South Africans and um, also coming into 2018 with a trophy team of the year from last year um, it, it gives us also confidence as a team to say that we, we had a good year last year, uh, we marked our goals and we achieved them and now it's time again to go on and uh, going on in 2018 is to qualify first for AWC and to work hard into making the top three to go to the World Cup next in France. Another player excited for the Sweden game is Leandra Smeder who will play for Banyana in her home province for the very first time. Yeah. Um, I'm quite excited as a player and I know also the other Western Province uh, players. We're all excited to be playing in front of our home crowd, our families, our friends, because most of them have never seen us play um, live. It's only on television and obviously for our clubs. And yeah, so it's exciting for Banyana to play in Cape Town. I think it's the first time that the national women's team is playing in Cape Town. We've came here before for preparation camps, but I think this one... It's, it's quite exciting for this, the city as well and, and hopefully uh, the team will come back again here in the future. But for Sunday we hope that um, Cape Town will come out to support the team and come support women's football and when you watch um, the media post that's been going around, it's all that people are interested in the game, the women's game is growing so that's good for South African football and we just need to put up a good show for the fans as well. And and thank them as well for coming out to support us in supporting women's football. And that's about it for SAFM Sports Wrap this evening. Don't forget all your sport on SAFM Sports Special this weekend, Saturday and Sunday afternoon. Uh, John Carrick will be chatting to Ryan Stramrud, who's the coolest swimmer, if you'll excuse the pun, in South Africa. is a top extreme adventurer and ice swimmer. Lloyd Harris, the tennis player, will be chatting to John on Sunday. And we'll also have live crossings from 2 p.m. Uh, from that Banyana Banyana match as well. And uh, PSL action with Muhammad Ali tomorrow afternoon from the Cape Town Stadium for the Derby as well. So lots to look forward to. Uh, I'll be keeping you up to date with what's happening at the Australian Open 2 European Golf Tour as well. That's all coming your way Saturday between 3 and 7, Sunday between 4 and 6. I'll be back again on Monday. We'll have more sport for you tomorrow morning on AM Live. Have yourself a superb weekend from my team in Joburg, Phineas and Luyola. Thank you very much for your help tonight, gents. On the other side of your 7 o'clock news, it is the Friday edition. Right now, it is time for your news.